powered by Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook. That's okay. We're we, we're live though, so we, we got to right. go. <laughs> we might have lost Avery. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so this is the this is the thing about doing a live show guys oh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully his uh hopefully he comes back in and hopefully yeah, Avery drops it. back in soon but welcome back oh to game over edmonton uh it's been a while since i've done a show so hey oh chaos love that but I mean, hey zach I mean, is is live with me right now we should have avery coming oh. in soon hopefully um but first a message from our friends at Sports Interaction. Get it on the action and make your bet with Sports Interaction. Every hit, every shot, every goal from all your favorite teams and players like uh, like like this guy, like Leon Dreisaitl with uh, four goals tonight. Um, with competitive odds, the best live in play and more ways than ever to get into the game. Like Minute Madness, our exclusive game with so many opportunities to win by the minute download the app in ontario use the qr code you can see at the bottom of the screen uh, or head to sportsinteraction.com sdpn to get started 19 plus please play responsibly and oh, while while avery is getting uh set up again okay we yeah oh welcome back literally avery. hang on one sec guys <laughs> uh literally we also- mid Right as we started streaming, uh, Avery uh, Avery ended up uh, having his Wi-Fi cut out. But we are also letting you know that we are raising money for Alphabet Sports Collective throughout the Stanley Cup playoffs. So Alphabet Sports Collective creates a safe and inclusive environment in hockey for folks of all sexual identities and gender expressions through education, community building, and mobilization. You can donate to Alphabet Sports Collective at www.alphabetsportscollective.com slash donate. All right, okay. and with all that out of the way, <laughs> welcome back, Avery. Uh, I am back at the show as well. Uh, I, guys, this is my first playoff game uh, watching it, the full 60 minutes, and I am not impressed. Is this really? is this what's been going on? See, see, I'm sorry. I was so ready to go, and then the whole technical thing that just happened there just threw me through an absolute loop. So you got to give me a second to catch up here. Oh my god, that was that was probably the most wild intro I've experienced in my entire game over career. But yeah, no, Dennis, you missed what was an absolute roller coaster in round one. The highs and lows were astronomical, and I because of me experiencing that. I can say with 100% confidence, I am not worried whatsoever. This is, I've been, I was more irritated after regular season losses to the Vancouver Canucks than I have been after this game. The Oilers played what was probably their worst game in two months. This is their first regulation loss since I believe March 11th. Um, They played atrocious five on five. Like this is by far the worst five on five performance we could meet. I can remember in a long, long, long time. There were a number of, areas where I think there will be adjustments made by Jay Woodcroft because if I can pick them out as a fan someone who doesn't play hockey uh, it, it, from on my TV then I know that Jay Woodcroft sees him LA was probably it was as opposite to Vegas as you could get in terms of a matchup right they slow everything down they clog it up they play as slow they try and make life hell that you don't get many rush opportunities uh, Vegas is the complete opposite Vegas Vegas excels off the rush right so 
yeah, there's going to be a number of clear areas where I think Edmonton is going to make a number of adjustments and they're going to come back a lot stronger after this game. Obviously, there was a down one nothing, and we're going to break it down, what happened, get into all that and more. Uh, but that's just my general thoughts. Am I worried? Not in the slightest. Leon Drysaddle had a meat trick tonight. It was phenomenal. The guy literally beat his over-under totals uh, for goals they were set up for, and he tied it in game one. Uh, so that's awesome <laughs> to see. Avery, um, what was your what were your thoughts on, on the game? No, I, I think I agree with you, Zach. 5-1-5, it had to be better. This was a game in which uh, Vegas looked composed. Vegas got a lot of chances. Their forecheck was amazing. You saw the great play from guys like Chandler Stevenson, Mark Stone. Those are guys who are going to be game breakers for the Golden Knights all series long. And again, there were too many passengers on this Orleans roster tonight. Far too many passengers. It was it was dry sidle doing virtually everything. Of course, McDavid was still there generating chances. But on the score sheet, we saw goal one, dry sidle. Goal two, dry sidle. Three, dry four, dry sidle. In back to back nights in NHL, where a guy scores four goals and loses. But what are the odds that happening? Well, pretty good because it's happened twice in a row. Yeah, so. I mean, like it's it's insane to think, right? On a on a night when you look at Leon Draisaitl just absolutely put the team on his back, much like you guys mentioned Joe Pavelski did last night for Dallas to lose in this manner. It it's definitely going to have to be something where the the Oilers adjust. I thought that during the actual game itself, there there were opportunities later on into the game, but that first period and second period were not the best at all. Um, go- going into this, like I haven't been able to watch a whole lot of playoff hockey live, but our defense definitely has an issue right now something about the rush chances from the vegas golden knights they looked almost unstoppable how many three on ones three on twos were happening here and you don't want to pin blame on anyone but the team has to be better outside of 29 and even you know 97 it didn't play the best but he still put up so many chances there's there's a lot of improvement that needs to be done here and it's got to come from depth guys as well because you touched on this earlier Avery guys that were you know like Carlson Smith Amadio Stone Stevenson those guys they come up big for Vegas and the Oilers if they're going to win these games they're gonna have to get more contributions from guys like McLeod uh, guys like Yamamoto just more scoring I think Costin had a pretty good game but other than that, there's not a lot of highlights from the bottom six. Well, I think, okay, I think one guy on the Oilers had a good game. It was Leon Drysdale, obviously. Everyone and well, everyone watching knows that. And my dog knows that. Every single person who turned on the TV knows Leon Drysdale is an outstanding playoff performer. Literally the best of all time. No one's better. The best to ever do it. Best to ever will be. Whatever. Uh, I think if you just take a look at the game uh, from when it started, right? We had that whole thing going in where they're going to go 11 and 7. Uh, were they going to go 12 and six? Uh, they ended up going to 11 and seven, but one of the reasons they went 11 and seven, even with the end mark uh, being healthy, is that Derek Ryan was out. I think that loss right. for the Oilers, Derek Ryan being out, super underrated. He was one of the key drivers in the bottom six against LA. Uh, I, I know his expected goals, I believe they were over like 70% on the series. Like Derek Ryan, when he was on the ice, the Oilers were almost always in the offensive zone and they were out shooting their opposition handily, right? Because Derek, and the big thing about Derek Ryan is if he's on the ice doing that, He's nine times out of ten, he's not on the ice with Connor McDavid and Leon Dressel. If he is, it's because there's a change that went wrong. 
So Derek Ryan's absence was a significant loss for this team. Um, so I think that right away played a really underrated factor in the rest of the bottom six, not being able to go. You obviously lose Matias and Mark relatively early into the game. So then you're down to 10 forwards. And I think the Oilers, they started, they started really rough, even though, um, they, they got that early power play and were able to convert. There was just the, the signs were there and they kind of continued throughout the entire game. Right. What do you guys think of the, of the play to start? Uh, you know, yeah. In terms, of, in terms of the start, you know, I I knew it wouldn't be a game in which Vegas would probably be very defensive. We know that Vegas is not like LA. LA was a team which they wanted to slow things down, make it boring, make it ugly. I start, I start. I liked, and what I liked was the fact everything early on was able to uh, draw a power play and get on the special team. That's a big thing I liked about the fact that they were able to draw penalties early. But again, Edmonton can't live. On, on the power play alone. Man can't live on bread alone, and the Oilers can't live on the power play alone. Even though we know how good it is. This, it seems like it seems like early Oilers, when they live by the power play, they can't do it now. They can't utilize on the power play no matter how good it is. They're going to have to figure that out because when they weren't on the, on the special teams, they looked, they looked, um, they looked out of sorts. So that's going to have to fix things all over too. And also, when it comes to starts, hanging on to lead because we saw Vegas early had to reply after the first goal. That's the one thing that really hurt Edmonton was being unable to hold on to leads for literally more than a minute in this game, guys. Yeah, well, I I think whoever wins the five on five expected goals battle uh, throughout the series will win the game. And tonight, Vegas generated more goals five on five uh, than Edmonton did. Um, so so just in terms of that, yeah, that's that's definitely gonna benefit them. But also, if you just look, if you zoom into the individual goals that Vegas actually got, those mm-hmm. were blatant, blatant, blatant errors. Like you you yes. immediately jump to the one one goal, like Vincent DeHarnay with one of the worst passes I've ever seen on an NHL ice service to a, 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 a I think it was uh Barbashev all alone in front. Still yes. makes the original stop. And then, uh, or Barbashev, you know, spins around and puts it in the net. So you, you absolutely, after you get that one nothing lead, and you could get Vegas a little bit back on their heels and make them think that their game plan isn't working, you give them the lead right back within seconds. Right? It's those shifts after goals that seem to have bit the Oilers in the butt a number of times today. And there were some good signs today too. But yeah, no, that five on five play, like they were, like especially in the first and second period dominated and the third there's a little bit of a score effects right you know vegas is trying to sit back on their lead and kind of nurse it home but yeah no they vegas definitely took it to edmonton that's something that's gonna change and i think it will change we know that the oilers can play with more pace we know that they can play with speed we know that they can they can uh finish on their rush chances you know they can generate more rush chances than they did tonight and it's actually funny i know on natural static that vegas did generate more expected goals if you look at the high danger chances for against, it says that the oilers actually had eight high danger chances to the golden Knights seven. So a little bit more finishing there. Uh, I believe in the, in the uh, third period, Costin came really close. I thought he mm-hmm. hit a post, but I, I, you know, uh, I, the announcer uh, uh, said he, he, he put the puck wide, but at the end of the day, it just comes down to like, it just comes down to the details in the game. And I thought the details, like you said, Dennis, specifically for me were from the defenseman and it starts with Vegas's forecheck. It's just so aggressive. They're one of the best teams in the league. In it. Edmonton's mm-hmm. defense, especially CC and DeHarnay to be like, to be specific about it, cannot handle the intense pressure that Vegas's forwards provide. It seemed like every 50, 50 battle down low, there was two Vegas guys and they were always getting the puck out, especially early on in the game. CC 
made a number of mistakes. He had so much trouble exiting the zone under pressure. We saw Echo make a number of uh, really good stretch passes under pressure, and it ended up leading to some of the dry settle goals. I think the fourth one in particular, the third one. Um, it's it's just these are mistakes. These are fundamental changes you have to make in your game to stylistically fit, have a stylistic chance in fighting what Vegas is throwing at you. Like the Oilers played into Vegas's game plan to a T. Like. I listened to you, the Avery on Sinbin Vegas, and what Ken laid out was exactly what Vegas did, and the Oilers mm-hmm. fell right into their trap. No, they they totally did. He mentioned the forecheck there. Yeah, this team struggled badly handling Vegas' forecheck, and it was not a good game again for Cody Ceci or Vincent D'Arnais. And there and then, Woodcroft likes playing Vincent and likes what he has, but again, in in the situation, you can't have your rookie men making these mistakes in postseason games, again, the glaring error, the first goal. Like, that is a pass that you cannot make in your own end of the ice in front of your goaltender. You cannot make that play if you've been to DRNA. You, you sure cannot. Absolutely. Yeah, the the other thing that I noticed, you know, other than the rush chances that I talked about a little bit earlier, the other goals from Vegas came right in front of the net, you know, off of these tips, shots. There's a lot of difficulty clearing the net front in in front of Skinner for some reason, which is an area that Vincent DeHarnay has historically excelled at. You know, he was able to chop guys like lumber out there, but... Instead, this game, there was a lot of floating around. Uh, I think it was McLeod later on into the game. I'm not too sure about that, where he was just kind of floating instead of clearing um, the front of the net. So when you have these sorts of opportunities, you're going to get burned, right? Like uh, one errant stick onto a puck changes directions. There's nothing Skinner can really do about that. I thought Skinner had an okay game. Obviously, there were a couple that he probably wants back, but some of the tipped goals, some of those rush chances, three on one, I don't put in the blame on him. I feel like there's a lot more at fault, and you're right. It's the defense. Well, I, I, and I understand that, and I, and I agree, but I was saying this to Avery before the show. Mm-hmm. When you're at this point in the playoffs, Every single goalie stops those high danger chances, right? We can sit here and say it's kind of similar to what we said about Jack Campbell a lot of times in the regular season. Like, oh, it was a tip goal. Oh, it was a two-on-one. Oh, it was a rush. Oh, it was a really good opportunity. You need stops. Now, Stu gave it to them in the second. To his credit, he got better. But at the end of the day, when you go and look at the goal saved above expected, he had a negative 3.24 goal saved above expected, right? He, The average goalie stops three more goals. There is expected to stop at least three more goals in Vegas score tonight. He, man, like there was that goal where he was sliding across in the one time, right? I believe right. it was from Chandler Stevenson. It went in his glove. It went right through him. And off, in off his glove, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like that's a goal you gotta have. And I understand it's a little nitpicky and the Oilers by played probably or obviously what was the worst game of the postseason. But in order to be successful, like this, this isn't just like, a game against Columbus in the regular season. This is the best of the best. There's a final eight. Like Vegas is a phenomenal team. Vegas did everything perfect tonight. Like stellar. We can get into their defense played more, uh, more. But your goalie has to be one of your best players. He has to come up with those saves on those two on ones, on those two and O's. And he did, and he did. But it was it was one of those things where okay, you let that in, but then the shot from Amadio from you know 15 feet out sneaks through you far side. Like those goals cannot go in. 
cannot go in in the playoffs. And, and if Stu like plays like this again, unfortunately, I, I, it's it's going to come to bite the Oilers in the ass long term of the series. Now, I believe that Stuart Skinner is capable of playing better. We've seen him play better consistently throughout the regular season. Um, I don't think his rebounds were as bad tonight as they have been in no. the prior series. Um, but this is just this is just one of those things. Like again, you you expect a little bit better from Stuart Skinner. And I know it's tough to ask because I know he came up with some 10 bell saves, but at the end of the day, it's the playoffs. This is the best of the best. You gotta come up, you gotta be the better goalie. No, it, it totally you're totally true, uh, Zach. They can't wait for the second period for someone like Stu to figure it out and get things going. And granted, I've been one of Stuart's biggest supporters, but you can't wait until 40 minutes in to make those saves on two-on-ones, three-on-ones. You need him to be sharp from the opening face-off from the first period onwards. Yeah, absolutely. One thing I just want to say before we continue on, and Dennis, I'll let you get to your point in a second, and I apologize for jumping in. We got 87 people watching, you know, David W., MGD, McNader, Wise Kyle, uh, Eric Tanner, Glenn Doms, and uh, Liss obviously hosts a game over Winnipeg, is here hoping that we can exact our revenge on uh, Vegas for We got Daniel Kim up there, uh, Yolo McSwags, and a ton of people, a ton of regulars I recognize. I saw Frankie up there too. You guys want to go ahead, hit that like button. We really appreciate it. Every playoff broadcaster goal is triple digits. Obviously, Dennis said before, uh, the Alphabet Sports Collective information is in the chat. So remember to uh, donate it there. But yeah. Appreciate you guys liking the video. Subscribe to SDPN. But Dennis, you were talking about uh, that. We were talking about the goalie. What, what was that you wanted to say? Well, yeah, no, I was like looking at Skinner. I I have looked at a couple of highlights from round one, but there's there's just been a little bit of extra pressure, I suppose, on Skinner. He hasn't played his absolute best, like you mentioned. Even I'm thinking back to one of the great saves he had tonight. Um, I forgot who it was, but he was kind of a Vegas player was streaking in off of a, an odd man rush again. Great save by Skinner, but it was off the arm, kind of bouncing around before it finally settled into his glove, right? When you have that sort of play, if it goes well, that's fine. But a little bobble like that, if it falls in front of him and someone gets a chop at it, that can be a horrible debilitating goal as well. So these sorts of things, I hope Skinner is going to be able to clean up. We did see Soup come in and uh, relieve Skinner on that one game. It gave the team a little bit of a jump. What I wanted to post to you guys tonight, after that first period... There was a little bit of a call on Oilers Twitter, and I mean, Oilers Twitter has calls for everything, but there was a call for Campbell to come in in relief again after uh, the score was, I think at that time it was still 3-1, Leon hadn't gotten his second of the night yet. What did you guys think? After that first period, would you have put in Campbell? Avery, you can go first. Uh, No, at that point, I mean... I feel like in game one, you don't want it. You don't have to message to your starter that, you know, we're going to pull him. You you want your starter to have full faith in you in game one. It's only game one. It's not like in LA in which if you didn't make an adjustment, you'd have been down going back home three games to one against the Kings. It's game one. Let's try to figure things out because that could be devastating for a goaltender if it's game one and you're already reaching towards the back. Even though Jack Campbell had a great game against LA, you want to tell your starting goaltender, we still have faith in you to turn things around later in this game and in game two as well. So, no, I would not have pulled Stuart Skinner for Jack Campbell. Vince. Yeah, a- absolutely. I'm in the same vein. I-, I completely agree with Avery because essentially you run with Stuart Skinner this long. You live by the sword. You die by the sword. Essentially, this is only game one. 
Uh, did I? And I didn't see this on Twitter. I wasn't really on my phone that much during the game, but I did catch myself like wondering because again, Campbell played so well in that one stint that he did have in net that I caught myself being like, okay, maybe the Jack Campbell's got a little more magic in him. Maybe Jack Campbell's got a little more magic than him. If this happens again and Sue isn't able to bounce back, we don't have a long runway to keep, you know, leaning on Stu, then I think, yes, there's a, there should be a willingness to jump over to Campbell um, sooner rather than later, and I think Woodcroft's shown the ability to do that when he went to Campbell the last time. But I think, again, Skinner deserves a chance to bounce back. The Oilers played what was their worst game 5-on-5, five five, turnovers galore in the neutral zone. It seemed like every time that the Edmonton was making a pass, it was either to no one or Vegas had a stick in their lane or they were just they were intercepting the puck and getting an odd man rush the other way. Uh, one thing I did want to point out was the play of William Carlson and his line, big uh, uh, what Bruce Cassidy termed and what I heard some Vegas people calling their shutdown line on Connor McDavid. I was really interested to see how McDavid would handle this different matchup because obviously, like he's he's still like. Deneau doesn't shut him down, but Deneau definitely makes an impact on Connor McDavid. Kopitar makes an impact on Connor McDavid. I was really interested to see what William Carlson would do. And man, I've I don't think at least in the first two periods I've ever like seen Connor McDavid like with the most perfect stick checks ever, like mm-hmm. unbelievable. Every time it seemed like he was cutting to the net, the last second, whether it was a Braden McNam, an Alec Martinez, a Alex Petrangelo, just poking the puck out of Connor McDavid's possession the last second. McDavid had a number of rushes up the ice that were, you know, otherworldly, kind of what we're used to from Connor McDavid, something we really didn't see in that LA series because it was such a slog. I think there's stuff that you can clearly build on. Woodcroft in this game definitely broke glass in case of emergency, hit the red light button, went to McDry really early on, like went to that way earlier than the LA series. So I thought that was a little interesting. Obviously it works because Leon and Connor are just magic together. They put up numbers. The problem is with Vegas's depth, with Mark Stone being on their third line and having that William Carlson line, you're, a lot of it falls on Ryan McLeod. And mm-hmm. I thought this was probably the weakest game from that Bukestad, uh, Fogel, McLeod trio. I don't know what you guys thought about the defense and the play of the that that line specifically. Mm-hmm. You're right, Zach. That line is usually very defensively responsible. It's full of guys who are among the better two-way forwards on the roster. So that was a very disappointing game to see, especially, um, yeah. So I thought that it's got to be better come game two. That's probably the more responsible depth line on this Oilers team. And again, I've I sit off the top here. This team cannot rely once again on McDride doing all the heavy lifting. They got past LA because they had the play of guys like Buke's dad. I know, I know, I know he didn't play tonight, but Derek Ryan, um, Kyle Yamamoto stepping up. Again, yeah. they need less passengers in game two and more guys shipping in offensively and more and being defensively responsibly in front in their own end of the ice. There yeah. Oh, Dennis. Dennis, you go ahead. Yeah. No, I, I, I completely agree. I think... There were a couple of things that you definitely noticed, like back checking, dealing with, you know, board play. A lot of that, they just got out muscled by Vegas. And if you're losing puck battles like that, you're not going to get possession a lot of the time. If you don't have possession, you're stuck chasing. And I always harp on this point. Some people love the physical aspect of hockey. They love the fact that you can run, guys, that you play the body and you start wearing people out. Guys, if you're hitting people, you don't have the puck. Mm-hmm. You can't score with a hit. You have to be able to hold on to the puck, get an opportunity if you're going to win hockey games. Now, 
there's a moral victory in that, sure. But last I check, moral victories don't win you cups. Liz <laughs> brings this up in chat, and, and I and it's a very basic point, but I think it's a very good point. I th- I believe, and again, I don't have it exact, but like halfway through the first period, the shots were eleven to three Vegas. Right, the Oilers were not getting a lot of pucks on Laurent Brassois. There are weaknesses to be exposed in this game, like. We know Laurent Brassois better than a lot of teams. And I know he was a backup goalie in Winnipeg too, but he was the backup in Edmonton before that. Like I vividly remember being at a game in Calgary where Laurent Brassois almost blew a five-goal lead to the Flames. Like he has goals. Obviously, he's a completely different goalie. He's a lot better of a goalie now, or else he wouldn't be in this position. But like Leon Drysaddle scored a goal off the back of his head, right? Like there are <laughs> holes there that the Oilers <laughs> And just like Corpusalo was a world beater early on, I believe that slowly, and especially I feel like, you know, in game two, you'll start to see it in game three, especially the others will pick up on a specific weakness that the Justin Schwartz has discovered within the uh, uh, Laurent Brassois, and they're going to target it. You saw McDavid on some of his rush chances. Yeah, there were a couple of really good sticks like I highlighted earlier, but Laurent Brassois made some phenomenal pad saves. McDavid goes five hole all the time, all the time there. Uh, See, Liss brings up another thing that I actually wrote down, and I really, really do agree with. Rebound control doesn't exist. You saw Vegas did a really good job in front of the net, even on the power play. There were a number of times Zach Hyman, it seemed like he was right there to put home the tying goal, put home the goal that would bring up brought it back from to 4-4. But Vegas tied him up or out-muscled him. There is no rebound control with the Rompus Wall. They were getting those shots from the point, like the one of Leon's goals, or it might have even been both of them, came off either an Ekholm shot or a Bouchard shot that Brassois dropped right in front, and Leon just tapped it right in in front of the net. The, sh- the lack of shots today really bit the Oilers in the butt because they, the game that they wanted to play was hang on to it, and what the Vegas was almost allowing them to play when they were in the offensive zone was just mm-hmm. keep them to the outside, keep them to the outside, keep them to the outside, keep them to the outside. Oh, there's a turnover like Nugent Hopkins in the second period going to pass back to Evan Bouchard, kind of diagonal across the ice, stick in the lane, two on one the other way, uh, chance, uh, and there's a Marshall so chance right there, right? Like we played into Vegas's hand tonight. I think the Oilers, like, I, I've never been this, like, uh, just mid, like my emotions. I've never been this just like consistent in my emotions throughout a game. Like game ones, the Oilers have what lost all of them going back to 2017 against Anaheim. Like they just don't win game ones. They wade their way into series. You Bruce Cassidy gets moves this chess piece first. We see the tactics and I know it's easy to look back at the regular season, but again, Different team. Stone's there. Like, I know Theodore missed games. They were missing players up and down all those when Edmonton played them. So you can't really put much stock in that. But Bruce Cassidy gave them a ton of footage, a ton of stuff to use. Issues like we highlighted with DeHarnay and CeCe early on that you can change. I think Broberg was going to be relied on much more in this series than he was earlier. Uh, but the like, tactic-wise, a lot's going to change. But I like Liz's point. Simple, easy, got to shoot him. And there's a good point in the chat that was meant that brought, was brought up by uh, MGD earlier on Alex Petrangelo. He had a rough night for Vegas. And if, if, it, if it continues, Edmonton's got a key into him. We saw Drysaddle turnstyling him at will. Like, that's the kind of guy you're going to have to target if you want to win this series. Take advantage of the fact that he has struggled against Edmonton. Yeah. Yeah, it's a frustrating game for sure because you look at it and you can see the greatness that's just hidden, right? It's simmering. I'm hoping you're right, Zach. Like, am I worried? Much like you echoed in the beginning of the show, no, I'm not worried. It's one game we were in their barn, but I really hope to see some adapting soon. You can't afford to go down 0-2. 
if you do that, like that's a tough stretch of games back in Edmonton. And this series is going to take, there's going to be a little bit of time in between games, you know, like this is a, a perfect uh, series where you can sit down in the in the video room with the coaches with the players go over learn the other team strategies adapt it's almost like a game of chess in that you're going to have to come up with different ways to one up each other and perhaps even like backup plans like simulations run the simulations where you take a look at how they have adapted their play mid game and have your players know hey if they start laying it back a little bit, being more defensive, not going through with these rush chances, that's how do we adapt <laughs> to that play style? Because this is definitely going to be a coaching battle as well. Way more than the last series, because my God, Todd McClellan is so boring. Um, I'm I'm glad that it's going to be an entertaining series, but I, I think next game is going to be a real key decider. And if the Oilers... Don't show up in a much better fashion. We are in danger. No, of course. And then the offense, they can't have a game in which they held only three shots throughout a period. you got to get traffic all around Bronsois. you got to create havoc. You can't sit back. Again, the chat, comment, but you can't, you can't wait for the perfect shot. Just get anything on Bronsois, create a mess. You cannot wait to, you cannot, you, you, you can't get a fancy shot on This time of year, it doesn't matter. Just get trapped. Just, just get shots on net. I mean, this team advanced after being LA. By Kalia Moore, just getting a shot on net through traffic. That's what you need to do to win games in the postseason. Absolutely. And and if there's one thing that this game tells me, and I really hope Jay Woodcroft goes this route, um, this game shows you. You see, I know we like I let's let's establish that I know, and I think we all can agree that the uh the breakout and the transition tactics that Jay Woodcroft employed this game will be completely changed. You will see in a night and day version of the OS Final Five. Because I know in the in the regular season against the Vegas Golden Knights, and again, I we said it doesn't really matter. The Oilers generated, or just in the regular season general, the Oilers actually generated more expected goals. I think they controlled 53% of the expected goals uh on the season uh versus Vegas Knights Vegas Golden Knights 50. The Vegas Golden Knights were in the playoffs also were riding like an insanely high PDO I know uh, has been pointed out before. Obviously that's going to come back down to it. Now again if the Oilers play like this it, that stuff doesn't matter. But one thing that I think is for sure and it has to happen because I think this type of play that Vegas the type of style that Vegas plays that suits this player perfectly Dylan Holloway has to get back in the lineup you see what Matthew Nice is doing this is Dylan Holloway's music right here speed hitting shot everything this is Dylan Holloway's time to shine what do you guys think about that totally I, I wrote about it for, yeah with, with Zinbin Vegas I mentioned him in my list of four of players to most likely play in this series and Dylan Holloway He's there in Bakersfield. They brought him up. He's there with the team. He's traveling as the Black Ace. This is absolutely his time to shine. We saw what he can do when he plays with skill on this roster. If not now, when? This is a great time to put him in the lineup to try and change things up and throw a little and throw something different at Vegas in this series here. Phil, yeah. Land Phil oh, sorry. Uh, just quickly, Phil Landry in chat brought up a really good point that I want to highlight on the show. Uh, we talked about Broberg being really um, important before. Uh, Dejanet obviously had a number of struggles, was on for, I believe, at least three goals that Vegas scored today. Um, but Philip Broberg was on the ice for almost 10 minutes, um, no goals against. Dejanet, 8-19, three goals against. Absolutely, again, this I think that just goes to the hallway point. Speed, 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 transition, play speed. That's all that this is going to be, and you make those shifts, and you're going to be good. 
Dennis, sorry. To cut you off. Absolutely. You mentioned that. Like the speed is so important because right now Vegas is playing that heavy transition game. And let's be honest, if we start running and gunning, no one outguns Edmonton, right? If if the if the method of the game is to just go out there and put up points, make it a scoring clinic, no one's beating Edmonton in that department. But Holloway, I also like because he provides so much value, not only if he's playing in the top six with offensively gifted players, we saw him playing with guys like like Shore and Ryan. He's able to play those bottom pairings or bottom, you know, uh, lines sort of compositions really well as well and with Yanmark being out uh, who knows how long now and Ryan having some sort of an illness I think this is the perfect opportunity to give him a shot uh, I would put him in way before Devin Shore no no hate to Devin Shore <laughs> but I would I would think this is the perfect series like you mentioned to bring him in and you could fit him into an energy role you could fit him into a little bit more of a grinding cool. role he's shown that he's capable of doing that and of course on the wing with mcdavid or dry that's fantastic as well. well the way that jay woodcroft is playing like there was a, a point where consistently he was running out like nugent hopkins uh hyman and vogel nugent hopkins hyman and huge that i saw a couple times right like you can slide holloway into it there and he has the skill and the ability and the hockey iq to keep up with those guys he's probably better than you know a significant portion of the players who was having their bottom six right now and you saw and again it wasn't a lot but when the Oilers did start to build shift after shift and, you know, hem the Golden Knights in, even though that they were the least penalized team in the NHL this season, uh, they only drew the second most in the play. They took the second least in the playoffs. I, I apologize. Um, they took penalties like uh, right off the bat. Nick had interference and the refs. I thought called a very even game. They established an interference precedent whatsoever. They right off the bat and they called an even game. But you saw that. Vegas took penalties. They're not immune to those hooks and those slashes and those holds. Like Bouchard in transition mm -hmm. hangs onto the puck an extra second, draws that hook. Like if the Oilers play with more pace and more speed five on five, they're going to get themselves more power plays. And obviously their power play is just like ridiculous and they're going to score and they can play better. It comes down smarter decisions in the offensive zone, faster transition out the zone. Don't fall into Vegas's trap and you, you'll be good to go. Yeah, no, totally. like, Avery, go ahead. I was going to say, no, I totally agree. And that's the one thing about Jay Woodcroft uh, during this postseason year. He is the kind of coach who will sit down, look at things, and adjust. He isn't the kind of coach who will do the exact same thing twice in the postseason, which I love about him. There are some coaches that run a league who can be very stubborn in their tactics and what they do, but Jay Woodcroft is the kind of coach who will fix things and try and see what works and what doesn't work. Very good point. Like, I feel like there's a lot of line shuffling that happens in this team specifically. Like, everyone on the Edmonton Oilers are okay with joining other players. No one needs to be staple to any one particular guy. That sort of fluidity allows a lot of different combinations you see the amount of production that can happen just from bringing a guy like Fogel up into a little bit more minutes a guy like Costin from bringing him from the fourth line as a as an energy line up into the second line with like say a Leon Dreisaitl right this is the sort of adaptation that Woody has been sh showing like he's able to do it and the team itself is showing that they're a cohesive unit. They can gel together with anyone. Uh, 
I'm hoping, like you mentioned, that more power plays do come into effect. This one, you, you're you right. I feel like it was very fair in the ways that they called the interference. Even though personally, I thought it was a little bit soft, it at least was consistent. Yeah. It's interference. Again, mm-hmm. I, yeah. soft or not soft, it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, they right. called it both ways. Like, yeah, Kulak, maybe it was a little bit more holding, but they called it one. They called it on each team. Uh, the Oilers took up, and every penalty the Oilers took was just kind of boneheaded like that yeah. <laughs> uh that the pulling of the goalie right at the end of the game like vegas like we gotta credit vegas like vegas played exceptional they vegas played exceptional like the fact that the oilers with their best players in the world on the ice couldn't get the puck in the last three minutes to even have the ability to pull Stuart skinner that they that discombobulation led to that uh too many men on the ice penalty like vegas played exceptional defensively i think vegas uh, I believe I can't remember who said the stat. Someone on Twitter. They they were they're one of the high. They lead like the most chances uh, five on five in the NHL. Um, after uh, uh March first, like this was an exceptional game by Vegas. I I don't think that this is necessarily repeatable with the skill that Edmonton has and with the way that they could kill you. Like the Oilers will get more chances in games. It's just a matter of capitalizing on them and playing them better. That's why, like, I know it looks bad, but you look at other series where Toronto in the first game against Tampa, and I know they were kind of dominated five on five throughout the series, but like they're blown out seven three. And I remember back, think back to 2017 when I believe it was uh, San Jose killed Edmonton like seven to three, seven to two. Whether you lose the game one nothing or 10 to one, it doesn't matter. You start zero zero at the next game. And I think Jay Woodcroft is more than capable of, pu- of putting forth a different scheme. And the players that the Oilers have are more than capable of coming back and responding as they should. If they don't, I will be significantly more nervous. Like times this broadcast by a hundred, I'll be ringing the bell, sounding the alarm. Um, I will be sheltering um, because, like, I will, I won't be ready. Like that, that'll be bad. But let's wait. Let's see. I'm calm. They've shown the ability to respond. They lose game ones all the time. Uh, it feels weird to be this calm after a loss, but you know, it kind of is what it is. What do you guys think? No, totally. And we saw this team again. We saw this team against LA make adjustments. We saw this team against LA figure things out when. They, when they lost game one, when they went down, when they were down mid-game adjustments, when they were down 3 nothing, and it appeared they're going back home um, to be down 3-1 in the series. This team has found a way, either going to next game or the next period, to adjust. I want to touch on quickly exactly mentioned about the officiating. And yeah, I agree. We saw we saw last postseason, or sorry, last round, even Leon Dreisaitl saying, hey, all we want is consistency in terms of yeah. what the standard is. What is the difference? What is this? What is that? Just be consistent. And I'm glad that I'm glad we're getting it now. It's clear. It's clear that someone heard something because when your star players, no matter what team, are saying officiating is not consistent, you have to do something. You can't ignore what they're talking about in the media. You can't. Exactly. Consistency is the way that players adapt right i i'm of the belief that the oilers can very easily adapt their game to change from that sort of la trap style to a vegas oriented style like i think that there should be no problem at all i like you zach are am very calm even though we lost six to four uh i think there's there's just something about Vegas as well, right? We have to bring in the fact that 
Vegas is a team where, much like Edmonton, they love hockey and their arena is packed. Like that home barn advantage does come into play, especially during the playoffs. And with this game one under under the belt, next game, if the Oilers come in and silence the barn, that's going to go a long way, you know, much earlier into the game as well. I'm hoping that, you know, if we look at the the refing, it's been very consistent. I hope it stays that way. If we can even out the fan effects, I have no doubt that the Oilers are very capable of taking on the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, there's just only one way to tell, right? And it's to play the game. Absolutely. I mean, here, if you want to kind of wrap it up with this, we'll say that we'll just like one thing that I've kind of been wrapping my head on is the Oilers probably played what we've established is their worst game in months again. Haven't like this is their first regulation loss since March 11th. It's been almost two months since the Edmonton Oilers have lost a single game in regulation. But with all that being said, and all the errors and all the things that they need to clean up, they still score, well, at least Leon Drysaddle still scored four goals on the Vegas Golden Knights. They're very susceptible. You have the you have the opposition. You have the players who can make them pay for mistakes. And I think you're going to see a much, much, much different team uh, next game on Saturday. Avery? No, I, I totally agree. I would be shocked if Edmonton comes out for game two on Saturday. Uh, and they and, and offensively, they're at four or five shots in the first period. If they don't have some juice, I think they'll be out very surprising. It'll be, actually, it'll be very disappointing if you see this team giving up early leads and not having a response and struggling with the base forecheck once again. I doubt it, though, but I think this team will respond quite nicely. And I'm just split going back to Edmonton for game three. Absolutely. Absolutely. Guys, just to be clear, let me see your fingers. Wave them, wave them in front of the camera. Everyone, everyone got all their digits? Oh, yeah, yeah. Good. Yeah. I, yeah. All I right. Every, every, let me see your hands here. All right, you see him? All right, kept kept all the digits on there. Uh, (laughs) Hopefully, all the Edmonton fans that were attending the Moss Pit Live or uh, the the family-friendly version over at um, Churchill Square, hopefully you all kept your fingers as well. Uh, Stay safe out there. Next game is Saturday, May 6th. It's got moved from Friday, so if, you, if you're coming to YouTube on Friday night expecting a game over, we don't have it for you, but we will have it on Saturday. Game starts at 5 Mountain Time. It's going to be a little bit earlier than we're used to. Expect more Toronto fans, Toronto representation coming in, because that's the marquee game on Saturday. Yes, yep. and um, I, I want to add this funny point, though. I know if this game were at... 2 p.m. Saturday, I know Zach and Nez would be like, nope, we're out. Avery, it's all you. <laughs> I know Zach doesn't believe in doing any afternoon games when the Orbs play and still. <laughs> Let's just say we don't have a good matinee record, right? Both both in terms of the game and in terms of game over. So, uh, Avery, you've had actually the best matinee record out of all of us. I know I have. <laughs> 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 when would I, yeah, so far, I think, it's like, I think it's like, what? 
three and one when I hosted matinee shows, they won. Yeah, you better be here on Saturday. Meanwhile, <laughs> meanwhile, Zach had what the the Columbus game as a matinee game, the Anaheim game as a matinee game. I probably had like the every point where the Oilers hit rock bottom when they lost and fell out of the playoffs. I broadcast that game, and I will always go back to my game against the Ducks on uh, December 11th, where they fell outside the playoffs and i literally said on the job like they're probably gonna finish second in the pacific they're gonna make the playoffs but if they don't trade for a left-handed defenseman we're not gonna see anything but you know what happened they made a trade for a left-handed defenseman and he has been everything i could have dreamt of and more so we will see what he does on saturday because i think even from him there is uh there is a higher ceiling there so we will see rob in chat uh already excited for the fact that from his perspective, it's a normal timed game. Uh, for us, it's going to be a little bit earlier than we normally do it. But hopefully we won't have another uh, a Zach patented rant after game two. Hopefully it'll be more of the, the celebrations with Avery. Uh, we'll see what happens because, look, this is the Stanley Cup playoffs. Anything can happen. Anyone can win it. It's all up for the takes. And guys... This show is up for the taking now because we're ending it here. I don't know where I was going with that transition. It's been a little while since I've done this. Yeah, absolutely. All, <laughs> all that matters is you got all your fingers and you have all the fingers that are capable of hitting that end show button. So there you go. Thanks again. Hit like. Uh, re read about the Alphabet Sports Collective. Donate if you can, but hit like on the stream. That's obviously very important. We appreciate all you guys being here throughout the show. Eric, Frankie, MDG, Safe Jewel. Rob for sticking with us. Indiana Jones, mad at people blaming the refs. I don't know who's blaming the refs, but whatever. Uh, nevertheless, that's it from us. We're, we are, we're out of here. That's it. Have a good night. Goodbye. Hashtag AV. Game over! Powered by Sports Interaction, Canada's Sportsbook.